Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Good morning and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Pete Lawton, and Gary Doherty. Good morning, everybody. Thanks, Pete, for inviting me on. No, thank you. Thanks for coming on. So give us a bit of background. Who are you? Where do you come from? Um, well, most people listening to this will know me from Think Network. Mm-hmm. Um, who I am, I'm 43 years of age. I'm originally born in Derry, lived in Derry till I was six years old, uh, six, seven. Mm-hmm. Um, troubles were kicking off and my mother and father didn't want to live in Derry basically at the time. So they moved to Lima Valley. Okay. Uh, Lima Valley is about less than half an hour away. Mm-hmm. Um, nice, quiet town. Um, or at least it was then. It's not too bad now. It's okay. It's like every town as it's growing, it has uh, increasing challenges, but it's a nice place to live. Um, they bought their first home there in Limavari, and I lived there ever since. Met my wife mm-hmm. 24 years ago and married in the millennium. Save me, uh, the, save me the math. Were you 27? When you met your wife? No, 20... What age was I when I met my wife? I'll tell you what, I was married there when I was 24. Oh, right, okay. There we go. So, mm-hmm. whatever age I was. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm 43 now. Mm. Um, well, I actually probably know her longer than that then, don't I? Mm. 24, 25, 26. Maybe 26 years. Well, something okay. like that. So, mm. uh, she's, she's done well. From from the area? Uh, my wife is originally from Lamavari. Her mother and father, who are no longer with us now, mm. they lived in Coleraine, Port Stewart, but originally from Lamavari area. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, fire in the belly. Have, yes. Have you heard of it? I have, yes. Um, a couple of people I know have been on it, Hugh and mm-hmm. Seamus. Mm-hmm. So, I have been following it, listening mm-hmm. to it. Um, not as much as I should be. But um, as you know, I'm flat out myself, so I float in and out of these things, you know, and listen to them and go away and I come back and listen to them. So familiar with it, yes, and familiar with the, the phrase. And Well, what does it mean to you then? Uh, it's interesting. Um, fire in the belly, to me, means what motivates, inspires, drives, and keeps me going. And what, what really turns me on in life to succeed or... Or, or try and achieve or work towards. That's really what fire in the belly means to me mm. as a phrase. Okay. Um, what it is to me is different. Sure. You know, um, fire and the fire in the belly for me, you talk about people, it's, it's about your why. Mm-hmm. And we've discussed this before briefly. Um, like my why, without going too deep into it, but my why is... And everybody, like anybody, most people you chat to, you know, why do you do what you do? Why do you work? Why do you want to do well? Oh, my family, my family, my family. Right. That's okay. We all have a family. Mm-hmm. So what, but, but what's actually your why? Mm-hmm. You, so I, like I've, I've done it. I've done an exercise with a lady very recently um, and um, she delved into my way, wow. asking me these questions that took me a step deeper each time. Mm-hmm. And um, really and truly my way is... 
wanting to leave a legacy for my family. I want my children to be proud of the father, the man, the person um, that I am and wanting them to always look at me like that and achieve that greatness and that 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 generational wealth that comes with being successful mm-hmm. so that my children's 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 children never really have to worry about that sort of thing again. Well, okay. And that's really my way and my fire and my belly. Mm. Okay. So, but deep I know, but no, no, but that, that, that's what it is mm. to me. <laughs> so you're obviously from the area. So yeah. what's, what's your background then? Tell me. Um, when I, when I left school, I left tech, didn't finish a course in, uh, in the college in, in Nevada years ago when I was 17, went down to a supermarket floating around working 150 pound a week, whatever it was. Um, ended up working in a factory in Coleraine, um, and I was working in the same factory when my when I was with my wife and my my, my two children were born. What was the first two? It was a it was a company called Step Two. Okay. Um, have you heard of Little Tykes? Yes. The American company. You no, know, there was you no, know, there was wee plastic cars and slides. that yes. You've seen forever, and the yellow, the yellow top and the red body car. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so, well uh, <laughs> you're a wee bit big for that. <laughs> but but uh, uh, we had one too. Um, they they That's an American company. Okay. Um, or it originally was American or Canadian, I can't remember. Anyway, the owners split up. Right. Um, one of the owners went a, another direction, step two. Okay. And that it set his second step. So okay. he, he owned he opened up a step two, which was a rival of Little Tykes then. Sure, okay. So Little Tykes created its own rival. Mm. And they came into Europe and they identified Northern Ireland as a base to service Europe. Well. Um, but they didn't take into consideration the exporting costs into mainland Europe and all these different factors that they didn't mm. take into consideration. Anyway, I was there from the day it opened to the day it closed. Wow. Five, five years. Now, I wasn't instrumental in the closing. <laughs> but that's that, that just coincidental. But uh, so, so basically, it's funny. The day it closed, we had no idea it was closing. We were all pulled into a room and told it was closing, given mm. given a thousand pounds. See you later, right? Mm. So my wife was pregnant with my son, 18-year-old son. Okay. Oh, or 18-year-old son. Aye, 18. 18 years. And she was pregnant with him. So that's how long ago it was. And talk about being resilient and all these things that I'm into now. And not, mm. maybe, maybe I've always, maybe it's always been there. Because I remember coming out of that place that day and thinking, right, I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm a father now. I'm a husband now. I ha- I'm a homeowner now. I have a mortgage. What am I going to do? Mm. I'm not working. And I need to have an income. My wife's relying on me. So I went. I drove to Limavady, parked the car. Still hadn't told my wife that I was made redundant. She was sitting in the house. Um, and I parked the car and I walked around Limavady town centre. Was the t- town centre was thriving then? Town centres were thriving then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not so much these days. We out out of town uh, retail parks and stuff. But and I walked around every shop and I went in and out every shop, asked them had they any work going. Wow. Right. Mm. Didn't even know what sort of work I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And I walked into an electrical store. One of the many I walked into that day and said, listen, I've just been made redundant. Just want to know, do you have any work going? I need a job. And the guy in the electrical store seen something in me, you know, this sort of, you know, go-getter. Or the, I didn't even realize it was a go-getter. I didn't sure. even realize I had any drive. Mm-hmm. I didn't even understand what it was. I was too young. I didn't wasn't thinking about wasn't self-aware. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, I do have a job for you. He says, it's in sales. 
I had never done sales before. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, was, I was a bit sort of shy about it, you know, about, didn't think it was good enough. Sure. You know, I thought people that sales were really confident and, you know, they had a bit of X factor about them being able to convince somebody to buy something. Mm. And um, he asked me how much I was earning. And I said, I can't, at the time, I think it was £180 a week or something. And he says to me, I'll give you 200 and I'll give you commission. And you only work 95 and you have every evening off. And this, this was like nearly <laughs> like one in the lottery you, because oh, yeah. half an hour before I didn't have a job. Mm. But anyway, would you believe it if I to- told you I had to tell him I wanted to think about it? And the reason I wanted to think about it was because I was nervous about the sales, dealing with the public. Sure. I never dealt with the public really before I was working in a factory. Mm. And I thought, how am I going to do that? Like, what, what were you doing in the factory? Uh, production operator. Okay. Uh, drilling and, you know, mm. you know, uh, all the sort of health and safety stuff associated, all the health and safety stuff associated with making toys, yeah. you know, um, putting them together, assembling them, packing them, okay. getting them ready for dispatch, so on and so forth. So um, that's what I was doing. And very little interaction with other people, mm. very, no interaction with the public. So this was like polar opposite sort of job. Sure. And I was like, don't know if I'm ready for this. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I went away and uh, told my wife then I would be redundant, but I've been offered this job. She says, brilliant, you have to take it. And she, I was very, very nervous about it like and apprehensive. Mm. And she had to talk me into taking it. Okay. She says to me, you must take it. You have to take it. You'll be brilliant at it. You'll be really good at it. Just be yourself, blah, blah, blah. So I took it. And within two and, within two and a half years, I was managing the shop. <laughs> you know, so... Um, then I met a guy, this will interest you, I met a guy um, that was into property. Mm-hmm. And this is about, now we're going in now to about 2005, Okay, right? And this guy was a local estate agent. Mm-hmm. And he was in buying electrical appliances for rental houses. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I sort of, my ears pricked up. I was I I had started to find my confidence, mm-hmm. you know. It's sort of two years in the job, and now I was assistant manager in the shop at this stage, and somebody that was worried about how he, the public were going to perceive him and how he was going to speak to people and how you know what are they going to think of me and you know all these inner demons. And now I was like assistant manager in a shop, and I've sort of my ears were pricking up for opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I was a father, so I knew I had to maximize my opportunity mm. um, for my family, and. Got to know this man was coming in and out and in and out, and I was asking him about the property, and I was seeing these, I was seeing people making, selling, buying and selling, buying and selling, buying and selling, and I was thinking to myself, God, they're no better than, they're no cleverer than me. Mm-hmm. I started to realise my own, I became more self-aware of my potential. Well, okay. Um, and I think that came from confidence in my job, realising I was very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then meeting this guy started he started you know talking about figures and buying and selling this and buying it and i thought god i could do that there's people mm-hmm. doing that and i'm they're no better than me mm-hmm. um 2005 was a very busy time for yes, as well yes so <laughs> so it was a it was a it was an opportune time to but i was young and dumb do you know what i mean i didn't know anything about property i, mm-hmm. I had a mortgage and that was it sure that was that i knew nothing about did nothing. you have your own house at the time yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay. and um I had my own house. Um, we had a ten percent deposit that was gifted to us by parents. Mm-hmm. Um, no lies, um, and that got me on the property ladder. At that time, the house was thirty something grand. It was like 10, what's ten percent of that? Three and a half grand. Yeah, it was something like that. There, mm-hmm. it was gifted to us at the time, and that's how we got on the property ladder. Wow. Um, but this guy, anyway, says, "Listen, I can I can get you a hundred percent mortgage. You know, I can get you a hundred percent mortgage. Like all all you have to do is." 
you know, take the risk. You know, be brave enough to go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I was brave enough. I was brave enough at this stage. Mm-hmm. I said, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So we did. And within about 18 months, two years, I had left that job. I had went to work for him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Managed his estate agency. Um, and then I had built up a property portfolio that was quite considerable, between 20 and 30 properties at the time. Maybe oh, yeah. maybe more. Maybe early 30s properties. Oh, oh by to let stuff, isn't Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in between times, what I should say is I had moved house twice. Mm-hmm. I had moved bigger, 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 bigger. Sure. Yeah. Then I bought him out. Of the estate agency because yeah. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd, a, I'd a wheelbarrow full of cash, mm-hmm. metaphorically speaking. <laughs> so I thought I bought him out mm-hmm. and was leading the high life. When I say leading the high life, um, wasn't leading a very good life. Okay. Um, material possessions had become number one. Mm-hmm. Not my wife, not my family. My wife still says that they always were, but what I, what I, what I, what I mean is. Always loved my wife, always loved my children, always been there. But I know what my focus was in my mind mm-hmm. was getting richer. Like, I didn't want to be a millionaire. I wanted to be a multimillionaire. Okay. And then when I got there, I knew I was going again from there. And and why not? Because every decision I had made was, it was like you were touching gold all the time. Everything turned to gold. Everything you touched turned to gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I sort of became, I don't know, when I look back, not a very nice version of myself. You know, fancy suits, fancy... Everything the dearest, everything the most expensive, just because I could. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just because I could. Um, and then in around 2009, start of 2009, the well started to run dry right. for me mm-hmm. uh, and what I was involved in. And... Um, I had remortgaged certain properties to indulge in foreign property purchases and indulge in, mm-hmm. you name it, I was indulging in it. You know, um, hot tubs, just everything on the sun. Mm-hmm. Everything, you name it, I was at it. Well, not everything, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, all the material stuff. So I then, these these repayments then started to be, look a bit heftier when you didn't have the money coming in the same. Sure. You know, these, 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 like there was a car, I remember a car payment of 500 pound a month. Like I didn't care about it. 500, mm. you know, I, I'll tell you even better than that. I remember, I remember, and, and this, this, I've said this in a previous podcast, so it's no buggy. Like, you know, anybody that knows me, I'll know this isn't me, but it was me at that time. Mm-hmm. I used to park in a spot in the town outside the state agency, knowing, knowing that I was going to get a ticket for parking there. But didn't care, mm. and I was getting a ticket every day, twenty-five pound ticket or whatever it is, thirty-five. I don't even know what it is anymore because mm-hmm. I yeah, make sure I don't get them anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've had one or two, but you know what I mean. But I didn't care. Mm. So you calculate that up. That's about f- three, four hundred pound a month in parking tickets. I was paying for. Mm. I guess that's unbelievable, isn't it? That's like, like who does that? It's, it's so embarrassing. They even. See, that's one of the paradigms. Actually, I'm going to get rid of. Is thinking about that. They were talking. That's another story again. But mm-hmm. it's I'm talk like see when I actually reflect on that. I haven't even reflected on that properly before. Mm-hmm. But that's what I was doing. I didn't give a shit. I was like parking ticket. Just I, I'm not going to move my car because I don't have to. It's going to sit there. And it's going to sit there all day. It was a BMW six thirty, and that's what a little sit there because I can pay for it to sit there, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And it did. Every day I came out parking ticket. Boom. 
parking ticket, boom, parking ticket. But anyway, um, and then and then the the the, the bank started to call on money. Pro- the properties weren't getting paid for. Property sales stopped overnight. That just flick mm-hmm. flick a switch, and I couldn't keep the business going, so I closed the business down. Mm-hmm. I went through a volunteer a voluntary insolvency. Mm-hmm. Uh, two th- August two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went through that in August two thousand and nine, and um, that was probably that was the best thing ever done. Was go through that because it wiped the slate clean for me. Um, there wasn't massive, massive debt. There wasn't a pile of small businesses owed money or nothing like that at all. It was big banks owed money for 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 properties and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've no great sympathy for big banks, so um, I was able to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. After that, I think I, I think I went through an insolvency, owing about maybe um in sort of cash money, maybe about forty grand for different th- bits and bobs, but the properties, I don't know what uh, it was, and a few million anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, and away they went. Well, so was there much leading up to that, or was it? What do you mean much? So, for a lot of people, it's a journey. It's a it's a realization. It's a you know, it's not that bad. Actually, it's quite bad. Actually, it's really bad. Actually, it's horrendously bad. What part? Going through the insolvency? Yeah, I suppose the, 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 the realization. I mean, the 27, 2007, 2008 was obviously when the when the sort of the yeah. actual crash happened. Yeah. But, you know, you're sort of saying 2009 was until no. the, the crows started to come yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. No, because 2007 to 2008, we had acquired that much from 2060 to mid 2007s. I didn't even notice. Mm. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, things were going well for me. Sure. I was buying property in Wakefield, Yorkshire, Hull, Derry, Limavady, Turkey, you know, mm-hmm. Ballykelly, um, there was other, Korean. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things were going well for me. I was aware that things were on the slide. And what we did do was we diversed into the lettings, property lettings and management. Okay. In two, mid 2008. Mm-hmm. And that was to, that was obviously to uh, address the drop, drop in sales. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was aware what was happening, mm-hmm. but thought I was ahead of the curve. Mm. I thought I'll be okay. We'll be okay. Property sales are dropping. Fine. We'll diverse into lettings. Which was wasn't a very sexy sort of yeah. area at the time. Nobody mm-hmm. really wanted to be bothered with, you know, the whole property management and lettings. Mm-hmm. Certainly, when see property sales were doing well. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. So, but I thought, no, we'll diverse into that, and we did, and we were we were actually we were reasonably successful with it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the it wasn't so much the estate agency or the the property lettings that it was more the baggage from my my property portfolio that yeah. sunk the whole ship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 The other was sort of sustainable in its own right, or just about. Yeah. You know, if I had sort of even went right down to a one-man band, I could have, I could have probably made that work. Mm. But um, it's, had, it's very hard too, though, when you when you've seen that scale and that that yeah, rise. Yeah. As you say, I mean, I actually only ever use letting agents who yeah. are set up as letting agents, as yeah. opposed to an estate agent that yeah, has yeah, an yeah, arm. Yeah. 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 Because of that, because otherwise, otherwise people have seen. A good life, seen yes. a very different life, and then suddenly this is second fiddle. Yes, and actually, even though as you say, it yeah. could, could be sustainable, yeah. people choose not to. Yeah, yeah. So that that that's what happened. That um, no, but no, no regrets really. You know, regrets on my own personal behaviour, you know, and actions and stuff like that. But no regrets trying it and feeling it. Don't care about that. Mm. Don't care about losing all those properties. Don't care about going through the insolvency. Don't care about losing my own homes and stuff like that. Not, uh, I'm not. I was. 
I don't feel anybody should be emotionally attached to bricks and mortar mm-hmm. ever, mm-hmm. even if even if it's your own home. Because it's not the bricks and mortar, it's your home, it's the people on it. Sure. That's just a roof over your head. That's just a nice room that you've decorated. Um, and I've, I've actually learned that only in recent years. Mm. That we're, That's my perspective anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I truly believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't be emotionally attached to to property. However, I can understand why some people do. Okay. Um, because I am I, I live in private rental now. Mm-hmm. Have done since two thousand since September two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. It's now two thousand and twenty. Ten and a half years later, and it's only now that I am priming myself, or um, it's on certainly on my short to mid term radar mm-hmm. to be a property owner again. And maybe that time, maybe, maybe I'm sounding a wee bit cold now about property. Maybe I will be emotionally attached when I'm a property owner again. Mm. When I've got my destiny in my own hands again, when I have, when I am in, when I'm in ownership of my own castle again, mm-hmm. maybe I will be emotionally attached then again. I'll tell you how I feel then when I when I get there. But I will get, I will get there. Well, one hundred percent. So how is the, how is the mindset through that period? Because I mean that's that's enough to. Um, mindset through that period is a very difficult period. Um, do you want to know something? I'll tell you. I'll tell you something now. I don't believe in talent at all, right? I don't believe anybody's really that talented. Um, some people have got wee genetic gifts that make, maybe give them some, you know, like a fast twitch fibre in athletics that, that gives them a gives them a wee head start over somebody. But I don't truly believe that somebody's, you know, really that gifted apart from the generational geniuses that are born. Mm-hmm. But but I do believe what sets people apart is their mindset is maybe their their drive, determination, resilience, their belief that they have in themselves no matter what. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I think I have, thank God, um, that I've just been born with, I've been born with a, just a never give up attitude. Okay. Never give up no matter what. It wouldn't matter if it was, it, 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 it literally wouldn't matter what would be thrown at me. Mm-hmm. I might fall, I might cry, I might be depressed for a wee while, um, but I'm just like a, I'm just like an old, like a, like an old marathon runner. Even if I came last, mm-hmm. I'll still finish. Sure. And it was just that never give up. Just that, I suppose that dog and fight on me just, just kept going. And that, when I look back, that was just my mindset. Mm-hmm. It was just. Never give up. And what I should point out is, anybody that'll know me will know all about this here. My late father-in-law, Marshall McCollum, my wife's father, was instrumental in me being the man that I am now, with all the flaws I have, but with some, hopefully some people would agree, some quality somewhere. <laughs> but um, he was instrumental, absolutely significant and vital to me going on to do what I am doing and have done and accomplished since then. He said to me in August 2009, 31st, 30th of August, 30th, I can't remember the date, whatever date it was anyway, we went through the insolvency and he sat me down and he said to me, Gary, you've got two choices. You can turn to drink, drugs, women, ruin your life. Or, and he, and, and, and he had seen people do that. Mm-hmm. Many people do it. He said, or you can... Go and get yourself educated. He said, you have all this experience, all this entrepreneurial flair, ability, go-getter, risk-taker, drive, determinate, whatever you want, all these buzzwords. Mm. He said, but you have absolutely no 
qualifications. Mm-hmm. He said, and I'm not saying they're essential, but they will give you the the assurance mm. to know that the rationale behind the decision-making is correct. Mm-hmm. He said, it'll help you make better decisions, make you feel more accomplished. And I left school with two GCSEs, you see. Um, what were they? Uh, art and technology. Nothing, uh, <laughs> nothing mind-bending, you know? <laughs> Actually, I'm done then. I got another four or five in tech as well, and some decent subjects, sociology and all these other things. So I ended up with five or six. But I left with two anyway, right? Um, didn't go on to get A-levels, didn't go on to do anything. And I said to him, I said, nobody in my family's ever, ever, ever been to university. Mm-hmm. There was, there was no pathway there before. Nobody had done it before. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this was always grammar school people, got three A-levels, got applied to get into university. You know the score. Like, you know the way, you know the traditional yeah. route to university. Mm-hmm. Nobody had done that before in my family. There mm-hmm. was no route. There was no route. There was no pathway. So there was no, like, how would I do it? Nobody's done it before. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and also I'm at 30 years age. Mm-hmm. You know, so... How am I going to afford it? How am I going to... How do you, how do, you do it? Like, is, it, is, it, is this even open to me to do it? So anyway, I, I took his advice. I thought about it for... I thought about it for a week or two. And I, I, even, I remember even vividly saying to my wife, it's not really for me. University. What's he thinking? So I... So I was dismissing it for a week or two. And then I sort of more thought about it. And he never mentioned it again. And he sort of knew how to work me. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll feed him something and he'll go away and think about it. And he'll come back to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was right. Mm-hmm. About two weeks later, I went back to him. I said, that doesn't sound like a bad idea at all. You know, I said, I might go and study business. Business is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in making money. I'm interested in improving people, improving business. Improving people's businesses or even having my own again and doing something really good. Mm-hmm. At that stage, I wasn't really thinking of my own again. My hands were too badly burnt, but mm-hmm. I knew it was an option. So anyway, I reached out to the University of Ulster, as it was called then. It's rebranded. It's Ulster University now. And I spoke to a guy called Chris McLean. He's the course coordinator at the Korean campus. Mm-hmm. And lovely guy he was and, and is. And he opened my eyes to the fact that there was a pathway for me to do his do the degree mm-hmm. because of my life and work experience made up for not having the A-levels. Sure. I was able to demonstrate that I had a commercial business acumen. I had dealt with uh, accountants and finance and stuff like that. Maybe not too well, as it turned out, but I had dealt with it nonetheless, or I had experience in it nonetheless. Mm. And he gave me the green light to come on to do a Bachelor of Science in business, straight business. And he signposted me to get the finance, student finance, and I I became a student in my 30s um, at university. So it was 2007-ish? 2009. 2009, September 2009. So I went through an insolvency in the August and I started a degree in September. Within four weeks, I started my degree. Very proud of that. Mm. Very proud of that. Um, And when I look back, when I look back, that was a defining moment. Mm. That was a very, very, very significant moment. If mm-hmm. you think about it, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't let I didn't I didn't let time go by and let a vacuum, you know, be created where I could have went off the rails. Mm. I could have, like I do enjoy a beer at the weekend. You know, who's to say I wouldn't end up enjoying a beer every day of the week? Mm. You know, or whatever. Um, but I didn't let that vacuum. That vacuum take place, be created, and I jumped straight into education. That's twice you bounced. Uh huh. Yeah, obviously, after the uh, redundancy from the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's a good point you make. 
and I went straight into the degree. Um, didn't know how the hell I was going to get it. Mm-hmm. Thought I'm not clever enough, but I'll do it anyway. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm not clever enough. But I, I said to myself, I've, I viewed it like a marathon. Mm. I thought I'll get to the end, even if I'm last, even if I get a third class honours, I'll I'll get it. One, I'll I'll get to the end. I just knew I would get to the end, mm-hmm. and I would get it. I just knew because the, the reason I knew was because I knew I wasn't going to give up. Mm. It's similar to this TEDx thing saga that's going on for me. You know, you'll get it. Uh, uh, I know you will. I I need, I, I I'm, I'm actually having. Siri, I'm I'm back to August two thousand and nine, having these talks to myself about the university. I'm back. Mm. At, that's where I'm at now. We TEDx. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know when you have three failed attempts, you're you're told you're going to get it. Insiders tell you you're going to get it. Um, you're led to believe you're going to get it, mm. and then you don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then they tell you you're going to get it again, and you go again, and you don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then they tell you a third time, definitely this time, you're going to get it this time. I'm mm-hmm. talking about insiders mm-hmm. you're going to get it all you have to do is this this and this mm-hmm. and then you don't get it mm-hmm. you know that's tough particularly with, with what else I've got going on sure you know Think Network and you know uh, that's building momentum and then I've got my 95 I work for craft training and I'm I'm loyal to them from 95 mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, and I work hard for them and the results speak for themselves and I've my family to commit to and all the rest of it so the TEDx stuff that's 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 tough to take mm-hmm. that's tough to take um, so Went off on a tangent there, haven't I? I don't know where I am. Oh, you're right. But it's interesting. I mean, there's a constant message there saying never give up. 100%. You know, and even even through that, you know, you're saying with with the degree. Yeah. Even if it was that you, you know, it was the last thing, you know. Yeah. The marathon running, even if you're the last person. That's how I look at it, you know. Mm. That's how I look at my degree, marathon Mm -hmm. running. And like, would you believe it? Do you see after the degree, do you know what I went on to do? I went on to do a certificate in teaching because I had a harebrained notion I was going to be a teacher. Mm. I still think I'd be a good teacher, but I've got got a bigger purpose. Um, Teacher's great, all the rest of it, but it's limited in what what you can change. Yeah. You can change that classroom. You can change, you know, but I want to, I want to change the world. Mm. You know what I mean? So, I went on to do a certificate in teaching, mm-hmm. and then my father-in-law said to me, I, I was going to drop out of education then, I was just going to try and find employment. He said, why don't you do your master's? Mm-hmm. And I was like, master's? Now, come on. <laughs> like, where, you know, we were at this again. I was yeah. at this, a master's. Really? You know, one, you don't get funding for a master's, mm. right? Well, you don't get, you don't get, you're not guaranteed funding for a master's. Once you get the master's level, you must be paying for it or you must, prov- you must find the finance for it. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, there's no student finance in NI for, it's seen as a luxury, if you know what I mean, yeah. to go to that level. So I thought, right, what am I going to do? You know, and I've, I'm, I'm a big believer in about improvising, adapting and overcome, overcoming. That's what I tell myself daily when I have challenges, mm-hmm. improvise, adapt and overcome. And um, I said, right, what am I going to do? So... I applied to do a master's in business studies, MBA, or an MBA, MBS it was, not the MBA, mm-hmm. MBA, MBS it was at the time. It actually changed its name halfway through. Um, so they said, they interviewed me and said, we would love to have you on the program. Okay. Love your passion, love your story, mm-hmm. love where you've come from, love where you're going to. It's four and a half grand. Mm. Now, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't have four and a half grand. I said, what are my options here? And the lady said to me, your only option is 
Um, we work with Santander, who occasionally, just occasionally, will fire out a scholarship okay. to somebody that they feel they want to back. Mm-hmm. You know, but they said it's you know it's a long shot. There ain't no guarantees with us here. Blah blah blah. So I thought, right, that's okay. I don't mind. I don't mind being the underdog again, or I don't mind the long shot. Let's do it. Mm. So went through a stringent application process with them, and got it. They backed me. Mm-hmm. Paid me. Paid me five grand actually, as it turned out, and I had five hundred pound to myself, <laughs> which was which was bonus. which was a bonus when you're when you were in, I was in benefit. Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, so I got it anyway. I'd done the masters and smashed it. Got it. Achieved my masters at the end of it, um, and it was a very proud moment. Um, achieved my masters, and then I got to that level, and it was like, wait, what did I do now? Well, go into employment, or well, what will I do? PhD was on the horizon. Oh wow! And my father-in-law, Marshall, said to me, "Do it, do it, do it. You can do it. Well, wow. you can do it." And I applied for a PhD, and it meant going to. It was a PhD, and my research area was going to be the export orientation of SMEs in Northern Ireland. Because they don't export, we don't export a lot or enough in Northern Ireland, sure. and I wanted to explore why do we not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was of interest to me. Mm-hmm. It was an under-researched area at the time, so mm-hmm. it was of interest to the university as well. Mm-hmm. And I went and had a, a formal interview, and I didn't get it. Mm. I didn't get it. Um, and in hindsight, that was the correct decision for for them. Mm-hmm. By them, mm-hmm. for them, and for me, um, for the reason being, the meat well, the main reason being is because whilst most things are achievable, not everything's achievable. Everybody says anything's achievable. It's not achi- not everything's achievable. You know, not everybody can 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 train to be an astronaut. Not everybody can fly a plane. No matter how much training I got, I wouldn't be intelligent enough to learn to maneuver all those things in that cockpit to fly a plane. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't believe. So not anything is possible, but most things are possible. Mm-hmm. However, the PhD, I believe, firmly believe in myself that that was a step too. That was a step too far for me on an academia level, okay. because there's a lot of sort of acad, you know, all the sort of uh, Harvard referencing and all that stuff. I actually struggled with that, getting through my degree and masters with that, mm. and that there would have became you had you're having to write your own thesis and you're having to write your own journals and all that sort of stuff, and that was a step too far for me in an academic an academic level. Mm-hmm. You, you needed to be more in a marathon runner mm. at that stage. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be a finely tuned athlete at that stage, and you know we we all your fast twitch fibers and all the sort of you know you ha- you needed you needed to have something that I didn't have, I believe to be to have done that, mm. um, and I just felt maxed out in education. Also, okay. I felt as if I'd given everything, mm. I'd thrown the kitchen sink at it, I had done it, I got my degree, I got a certificate in teaching, which is the first year of a PGCE, I got my masters. This is all from leaving school with two GCSEs mm-hmm. and they weren't even academic subjects. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was a success. Sure. You know, I had achieved, I had I had done everything and more. I had surpassed my wildest dreams in, yeah. ed- in education. And I had created that pathway for my children and my children's children. And I had created, you know, that legacy in education. Mm. So that had never been done before me, ever. My family, ever. 
So I was the one to do that, and that's a very proud moment for me. Um, what was your skill set there? I mean, I know you were saying there with your your leaving originally with two GCSEs yeah. and art, yeah. art and technology. Yeah. yeah. Is it was that just a natural strength for you, or, or? no? They were just easier subjects, weren't they? they? You don't have to apply your brain too much. You just had to f- turn up and draw around a page. And I liked actually like drawing at the time. Mm. So um, again, again, I had this I had this conversation with my sister and on Boxing Day we went out for a family meal last week, and. I was awarded Art Student of the Year mm. at school in fifth mm. year. And I know what I put into that subject in that year to get that right. Mm-hmm. And do you know do you know do you know what it was? Zero zero talent. I actually wasn't that very I wasn't very good at art. I wasn't that good at it. Mm. I know and I know I wasn't that good. I I was sitting with people in an art class that were very talented. I can remember, you know, I can remember people sketching these things out, and I'm sitting, oh, you know, they were great at it, right? Mm-hmm. They were they were fantastic, and for me, I had to, I had to go home and spend that three hours in the evening with pastels to achieve anywhere near what they did, mm-hmm. and then I was coming into school the next day with having spent all evening doing what they did in half an hour. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I was doing that every day. I, I I wasn't as talented as them, but I was working harder. Sure. And that's why I won the Art Student of the Year Award, I mm. believe. Mm. That's why I did well in that subject, I believe. That's why my art is still up on the walls in that school mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to this day. That's why the art teacher in that school still talks about me to pupils mm-hmm. to this day. I have a nephew at the school. Mm-hmm. I have a nephew, Jamie, um, who is 18, my sister's son. And my teacher from 20-odd years ago still talks about me to him and the pupils to this day. This guy, boy, that was a wizard, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I know what went in to achieving that. Mm. And the point is, it wasn't some genius bit of work. It wasn't. Definitely not. 100% not. I even know to look at it. It's just so, so okay. Like, it's not as good as your guys around the corner. But I give it the kitchen sink. I mm-hmm. give it the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. I sat to midnight knowing I was getting up at seven the next day for school. I just worked harder than everybody else at it. But it was the only subject to work harder than anybody else, mm. you know? Uh, the technology one nobody failed it was one of them like you turn up you get it so um, that's interesting the the art, the art the the story of the art thing is 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 I've mirrored that many times mm-hmm. with the masters with a degree mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. whatever with what I'm doing now with mm-hmm. what I've done in the state agency with what I've done with my property portfolio it's just just being the marathon runner just mm-hmm. giving it everything and never giving up you, there's, a, there's an underdog mentality there 100% comes through where does that come from i'll tell you where it come I, I i know where it comes from it comes from my father being my father is i've had a i've had my dad won't mind me saying this here i me and my dad i challenge i was a very challenging teenager right off the rails with this and doing that and doing things i shouldn't have been doing you're right okay running the clubs and <clears throat> doing what you do and starting to answer back and giving a bit of lip and you, you know with that generation they weren't brought up like that they didn't give any cheek to their parents or didn't answer back or didn't question or didn't mm. challenge mm. so for me to do that to my father he probably didn't know how to deal with that or you know this was like this the same way the children now are different to how we were sure. you know different challenges mm-hmm. um, a lot of people say children now don't respect elders the same they have no respect for authority the same and there's probably a lot of truth in that well, I think my generation was the start of this generation. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, starting to challenge the norm. You know, not everything your elder said was right. Mm-hmm. What if they're wrong? Mm-hmm. So I was, I was one of these people. I was challenging. I would challenge the norm. 
all the time. Uh, so me and my father went through quite a quite a, a fractured period, you know, in my teenage years. Mm-hmm. And um, I always found that my father was reasonably tough on me. Mm-hmm. And I think he would admit that. Well, he, I know he would admit it. He wouldn't, maybe wouldn't admit it publicly, but he would admit it. I know he would. Mm-hmm. He has done to me um, since. Like, he would have been very tough on you with money. You know, friends got two pound pocket money, I'd have got a pound. Mm-hmm. You know, when that was spent, that was spent. Mm-hmm. Um, friend, you know, but he was always good, always provided. We lived in a private housing estate. Christmas, we were spoiled rotten. Birthday, you would have got what you wanted. Um, but on a daily basis, you know, it was, you know, reasonably tough. Sure. He was he was reasonably tough, and um, I never felt that I was given anything was a given. Mm. I never felt that I was I never felt spoiled. Mm-hmm. You know, I never ever I always felt that he was very tough on me. Um, Why do you think he was? Because that's the way it was. That's the way that's the way his father was with him, and even more so mm. times a hundred. You know. Um, my gra- my grandfather was very very tough on him and very tough on the family. They all speak about him. They all love him mm. and speak about him very fondly. But he was a tough. He was a he was a a hard taskmaster, master, mm. so to speak. And I believe my father. I was the only son, mm. and I believe my father just naturally was like that with me. Mm. It was a natural thing for him to be like that with me, and he was. He was. But I, I I look back fondly with my father like we you know he's like my, my father when I was younger was like a nearly like a best friend like playing football with me all the time golf tennis all those things but then we had those periods were not so good and they're the ones that you tend to stick out in your mind mm. you know so I feel that that is where I've got me sort of never give up because back then I never I never gave up mm. and myself I mean mm-hmm. you know like I always wanted my dad to be there standing watching me playing football mm-hmm. I always wanted my dad to put the arm around me and say I love you mm-hmm. you're doing well I'm proud of you mm-hmm. I never I never had that but I know he did mm-hmm. but maybe I wanted to hear it sure. I wanted the arm around me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, but I never I never I never had that so I think that I think the never give up thing is from that mm-hmm. never giving up on life never giving up myself mm-hmm. Even at that early age, subconsciously, I wasn't thinking, I'm never giving up myself today, I'm not giving up, but I mm. wasn't giving up, mm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what gives you that stilly, stilly something in you that you, yeah. can't, you, can't, you can't put in somebody. Well, you actually said earlier, saying you, know, you were born with never giving up, Hi. you so, know, something's in you. Yeah, so I think that's where it comes from, I think it comes from the relationship with my father, so really and truly I have him to thank for it. Mm. You know, when you talk about how you view things, I view that I'm grateful for it mm-hmm. because if I was more spoiled and handed more money and you know maybe 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 I wouldn't have in me what I have now well if you have the belief that everyone you know they did the best with what they knew yeah. at that time yeah you know assuming it wasn't done out of badness yeah 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 and that is how I view it yeah you but know, for, for years I didn't though for years mm. for years I hated on him for it mm. It's very common, and, and I recognize a lot of that traits in my own father. Yeah. And I challenged him physically whenever I got to yeah. Yeah. the same size, or I yeah, could, yeah, yeah. I could yeah. physically and, challenge and, and, him. And as, as, as did I. Uh, that's a, it's such a hard time, mm. you know. Um, ironically, you know, and, and you sort of you look back and go, no, I'm not like my dad at all. Mm. Whereas now. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> it is funny. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny. But um, <clears throat> no, I'm, I, I'm incredibly proud of my father. Um, the, the man he is mm-hmm. and provided all his life and over he would tell you himself he overachieved he, mm. he you know he doesn't know how he achieved what he achieved 
you know, sort of similar to myself sometimes, you know, mm. he, he, you know, he was just a worker, mm-hmm. went to Belfast and he was 17, became a electrical engineer, an engineer and ended up working at Kilkira Power Station, earned a lot of money and retired with a lot of money. Mm. And he doesn't know, you know, he would say to you that I just lucky. Mm. He says, I just was, a, I was just the hardest worker in the room. I just always turned up, mm. you know, I always got all the overtime going because they could rely on me. I got the promotions, not because I was the best engineer. Mm. Actually, it was one of the worst. But they could rely on me. They knew I would, you know, as a company man. And Do you believe in luck? Um, it's a good question. On the whole, no. Mm. Um, on the whole, no. But if I was pushed on it, there, uh, I think there is an element of luck. Hmm. But I, I couldn't tangibly describe it to you or anything like that at all. I just luck, luck for me, you know, is that old adjective, you know, time and opportunity, hard work, hard work and opportunity equals luck. Hmm. Um, and that has been the case for me. But I don't believe in luck. I just believe, you know, without going, in, you know, I, I don't go to chapel. I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I'm married to a Protestant. I'm in a mixed marriage. My children are Protestants or Presbyterians or whatever. Um um, but I believe in God, and I believe I believe that uh, I have a strong personal and private faith, mm-hmm. and I don't so much believe in luck, but I believe in God. And when these good things happen, I'm very thankful to to Him for it. So mm. that's where I relate luck to. Okay. I don't relate luck to some X factor or magic dust that just happens because it happens. Mm-hmm. I believe that that. That, that a certain person, you know, let that happen, mm. you know, so. Do you believe in a sort of an outer universe without going too deep down? Don't know, don't, yeah. know, don't know is an honest answer. Mm. Don't know, mm. don't know is an honest <clears throat> answer. I'm a, uh, I believe in God and I believe that if I, if I improve my stat, my quality of loving and how I love, I believe that I'm going to heaven. So, mm-hmm. but I don't believe I'm a fully functional Christian at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe I've a lot of improving to do, and a lot of areas to improve on. Sure. You know, so, um, but I, I don't believe in I don't believe in luck. Just some sort of magic fairy dust just mm. happens. Luck happens now and again to people. Mm-hmm. But don't believe I don't believe that at all. Well, going back to you know, you were saying with your art, it's something mm. you know you seem to work harder than everyone else put together. So you know, that's that's yeah. your form of luck. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, you and created your luck work. there, didn't it? Yeah. You know, I created the the mm. the, the, the luck. So. Oh, it's funny. It's funny. Like even even with our last event, the, at the, I'm not going off on a tangent, but I'm, it's, it's actually related to luck, if you want to call it in mm. commas. At the last event in Ten Square Hotel, I I, I had never. I, do you know Stephen Rice? Mm-hmm. Have you met him? No. No. You want to get him on this here? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's one for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen's a real good guy, right? And I'd only met Stephen online, like mm-hmm. yourself and other people. Mm-hmm. And I'd only met him online, and uh, we. I brought him, uh, he, he offered to speak at the event, at the events, and I thought, right, okay. Um, hadn't a clue about his personality, didn't know what he was like, nothing mm-hmm. at all. And then when I was doing the running order of the event, I it wasn't strategic. It was just the way it fell, we put him on, he was the last speaker, mm-hmm. right? And all the speakers were fantastic on that, even you were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't it? And uh, Stephen spoke last. And what he taught me that night, it was a, a lot of people thought it was like a masterstroke from me, but it wasn't. It was just pure fluke. Luck. We talk about luck. That was luck. 
because Stephen Stephen ended the event on a high note. It was mm-hmm. very funny, mm-hmm. very funny. He had yeah. a lot. He had a lot of dry humour in his talk, and he had people laugh, and he had the audience engaged. He started off with party poppers, and I've been to enough events to know when people when it comes to the last speaker, mm. people are at that time nearly at your feet to go home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know they're tired. Sometimes some talks go on longer than others, mm. and people are sort of looking at the watch nearly. You know, mm. um, and Stephen broke that. Mm-hmm. People at the end could have sat on for another talk because mm. he had ended. You ended on a high, if you want to call it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember saying to Gavin Wall after it, mm-hmm. I said, "God, that was I was so lucky there." I, was, I, I liked it. I said, "I actually whispered in my wife's ear." I said, "That was a master stroke of luck." Mm-hmm. Finishing with Stephen because he finished he's so jovial and so funny and all the rest of it, and no better than any other speaker, mm. but just the, his finish. And uh, I said that to Gavin. Gavin said, no, 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 that wasn't luck. Mm. He said, that's what you chose. That's You had brought him into the fold. You had you had done the running order for whatever reason. You had uh, you had chosen for him to finish, mm-hmm. and he finished the event on a high. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you talk about luck. I don't know if that was luck mm. or was that somebody looking after me or was that my hard work and preparation paying off? What was it? I don't know. It mm. Could have been a wee element of luck. Do you believe we're, I mean, are you born with a fire in your belly? Are you born with? Uh, you, you could well be, and you mightn't even know it. Like, I, I could have been born with that, and I didn't know it. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. There's an honest answer. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I could have always been this way and just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Or um, I also think you could be a product of your environment as well. You know, you can be a product of the people that are closest to you. Hmm. Um you know, so like I actually maybe maybe my father had inst- installed the the never give up dog fight in me, mm-hmm. and maybe it was my father in law that brought it out in me. Okay, does that make sense? Mm. You know, one installed it in me, and the other one thought, well, let's channel that. Mm. Let's take that into education. Let's take that into property. Let's take that into business. Mm. Let's take that into taking over whatever you're doing. Mm. You know, so because um, way back you did sort of say, you know, you didn't think you were good enough. You know, yeah, something you dealt with. Yeah, well, that's 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 something that's that's something that I would still deal with. Mm. That's something I would still deal with. Like pff, most days, mm. most days I would have that imposter syndrome. That's that we were talking about the thinking and the results Bob Proctor program, mm. um, which I'm doing, and it's no buggy. I'm saying that it's it's really really good. Um, that's one of the paradigms that I'm shifting at the moment. You know, that's one of the ones I've burnt that I am that I am good enough. That sure. you know, so what about I mean, inner critic or mm. what what's going on there? Tell me. But but inner critic is just I've tried and failed before. Okay. And am I always going to try and fail? Is that your voice or somebody else's? Don't know. Mm. My own. That's my own. That's my own. That's my own. Mm. Um, you know, you've you, you've tried and failed. You've tried. You're over. You you overpromise, underdeliver. You 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 have these massive, massive goals, and then you don't hit them, and then that's failure. You know, like even look with Think Network. I have. I I believe. I believe mostly that Think Network can be the number one empowering platform in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at what other people are doing and I'm like so you know Pendulum Summit Frankie Sheehan big shout out to them I'm a, I'm a supporter of what they do mm-hmm. but I believe I can do that and better mm-hmm. Ted Ted Talks 
you know, I'm a fan of TED Talks, as everybody knows. Mm. TED, TEDx, I bring it to Derry, but I believe I'm, and I believe I'm the man to bring it to Derry. Sure. And I'm, I believe I'm the man to create a platform that will be as good or better. Mm. Okay. And that's what I am doing. Mm-hmm. Well, breaks off, and and you know, all things going right. What what are you capable of? Um, in the environment that I'm in right now, anything and everything, I want. And intend Think Network to be a global, international, and global empowerment enterprise and platform, okay. changing the world one event at a time, one click at a time. Okay. Because we intend to have an online platform. Mm-hmm. It's not just about event, physical bricks and mortar events. Mm. It will be an online community, mastermind community, VIP group, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we intend to create a subscription model where people will see the added value of subscribing to our website. It's not going to be any or, any ordinary website. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a website you just click on and float around on. It's one that you're going to um, buy into mm-hmm. um, at a small premium but with massive upside and um, we int- intend to tend to uh, be the Facebook of the personal and professional development world wow. and that's what we intend to do. I'm not going into it to have 100 subscribers and £500 a month or £1,000 a month and, and people not get added value and have one video a month going up on it or one podcast a month going up on it. We're going in, in it to change the world mm. and empower people. And look what we've done in Northern Ireland in 14 months. Like I could sit here and give you six tangible stories, six stories with tangible added value of people that have spoken at events and went away and done something. Hmm. Scott Stevenson went from GDPR guy to Scott Stevenson way, public speaker, uh, writing a book, I believe, or talking about writing a book, doing his own thing. That was all born off speaking at our event. Mm-hmm. Aaron Watson, mm-hmm. voiceover coach, never spoken in his life publicly. <laughs> I know he has a big, big outgoing persona on LinkedIn. He would tell you that himself, but he had never public spoke about yeah. his thing. Now Aaron is asked; he, he's been asked to be ambassadors at charities, public speak. He's speaking for me again. Mm-hmm. Aaron will not mind me saying, fifteen minutes before he was speaking at the merchant, he was standing at the the, the bar, pinning a pint, not wanting to do it, mm-hmm. and he went up and he smashed it, mm-hmm. and people are still talking about his talk. So Andrew Cuthbert, mm-hmm. Andrew Cuthbert is. Um, a guy I, I admire enormously and he's very very clever in his world mm. but he had never spoke about him mm-hmm. never never spoke about having autism and all these things never ever spoke about his journey nothing like that at all he spoke at my event about that and now he's in a crusade speaking about that mm-hmm. you know so we've already done it mm-hmm. like there, there's three lives that have went off in a different direction mm-hmm. and they've impacted other people's lives sure Um. so we're already doing it what does that do for you? That gives me immense satisfaction. Okay. That gives me immense satisfaction and self-worth, knowing that this is my way. Mm-hmm. This is my way. This is this is the vehicle to to achieve my way mm-hmm. or to, to follow my way. To, you know, have my children proud of me, create that legacy. Daddy's doing something that's changing the world, something's really important. Mm-hmm. This is my way. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm going to succeed. Property wasn't my way. Property was money. Hmm. I just seen I, I looked at property so cold you wouldn't believe hmm. I, I seen pound signs I didn't care about, I, don't, I still don't care about property hmm. but this is more than that I didn't go into this for money hmm. I'm 14 months doing this now with no money mm-hmm. 
you know, any any money that we've generated from the events, which has sure. been about 12, 13, 14, 15 grand, has always went back into the events. Sure. Always. Hmm. I might take a hundred pound here, a hundred pound there to cover my cost traveling to Belfast or whatever it costs me to buy that brochure or whatever, but I don't make money from, I haven't made any money from doing yeah. this here. It's always went back into it. Always. Yeah. This was never about the money. Hmm. However, when you find your way and and you and and you see the added value for other people, the entrepreneur in me, hmm. it would be foolish not to pursue this as my job, mm-hmm. as my way of life. So now it is also about money. Mm-hmm. It is about monetizing Think Network for the greater good of everybody. Because the bigger we are, the more value we add. Sure. The bigger our network becomes, the bigger our community becomes, the bigger the connectivity online becomes. Mm-hmm. The more people we empower, the more people change their life and the world. Mm. So I know it sounds very fanciful and some people can look at it and say, oh, change the world, what's he talking about? Just watch us. Mm-hmm. We're already doing it. Mm-hmm. We're already doing it. As I've got three examples here off the top of my head mm-hmm. and I could give you another three if it was pushed on it mm. and another three after that if it was pushed on it. Mm. So we've already done it with zero capital investment Zero money, mm-hmm. just people's time and goodwill, and my hard work mm-hmm. and collaboration with you know people like yourself and so on. And so, just imagine what we could do mm. if we had, if we if we had a proper strategy in place and it was running like a business. Mm-hmm. I just believe the potential is unbelievable. Honestly, I think it's absolutely unbelievable, game changing potential. We're, I, I can visualize so many things. Think network, mental health. Think network, kids. Think, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I can, I can visualize so many avenues sure. to go down with mm. us here, and we're going to go down them all one hundred mile an hour. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're going. You, are, you're obviously quite uh, picture focused, very visual, mm. visually based. Yes, yes, yes. Practice visualization for a long time now. Mm. So I'd like. Not only can you, I want to see it, I want to know how it feels when I'm there, mm. which is very deep visualization. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go, oh, I can visualize that car. And they, they look at a picture of a car, I go, okay, you can visualize because you've just looked at it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, or you know what a BMW X5 looks like, or you mm-hmm. know what that holiday looks like, you know, you've been in a holiday, you know. But I don't, I like to go, I like to go there and feel it. Mm. I have visualized myself standing there welcoming people to TEDx Dairy mm-hmm. and how immensely proud I feel and I've visualized myself standing there looking out to people and the 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 rush that it gave me I can visualize standing in America um doing an event TEDx New York or whatever it might be think inspiration USA or whatever it might be mm-hmm. I can visualize that I can visualize standing there welcoming people and visualizing that feeling that it gives me I can I can actually go there in my mind mm. and feel that feeling and I think that's the most powerful f- form of visualizing. How do you do that for other people? How do you do what for other people? Inspire them and, and help paint the picture for them. I think through the events, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I think through through exactly what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. I think through the Think Network stuff. I think that I think we are we are the change that needs to happen. We are the movement that that has taken place. We are it. What's what we what we are doing now, mm. bringing those all those people together in one room. Bringing them to an online forum. At the minute, we're they, I've got Think Network groups online where people are masterminding and talking now all the time for nothing mm-hmm. at no cost, mm-hmm. and it's no and it's great. It's great, and the amount of people that want to speak, the amount of people that want to come to your event, the amount of people that want to get to know you, you know, 
we're doing it now. Mm. We're doing it. That's what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. It's already happening. You know. Well, so you're asking me how do we how how do we do that for other people? We are doing it, mm. and we'll continue to do it. And we'll and as the, the more I learn, the more we'll improve doing it as well. Sure. You know. So. Well, if, if you were to summarize, I mean, fire in the belly in in one word, what would what would it be for you? This experience here, talking to you. No, just fire in the belly. I mean, you're. Uh, Summarise fire in the belly is, is 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 about I think find find finding your way, mm. uh, and up and, and, and up until recently, I I it didn't fully resonate with me. Find what what's my way? You know why this? Why mm. what? Why do mm. we do anything? Mm-hmm. You know, find your way. Dig deep. Find 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 your way. Um, the, the lady Cleona uh, O'Hara did a, a seven seven step question with me I don't know what seven steps to something I think she called it I'm not really do you know what it is now have you heard of that before not, not I, I, I'm going to find out about it actually mm. and I'll put it out there I'll mm-hmm. tag in it so that other people know what it is as well mm-hmm. and it was a game changer for me mm. and this is only, I'm only talking about recently now mm-hmm. I've, I've always had the drive and go ahead and do it but it was only within the last two three months mm. that I was able to go really deep mm. and find out what my way was and she, through these series of questions, she took me right back to my father. Mm-hmm. She didn't know anything about my father. Mm. She didn't know anything about it. She didn't know what I've just talked now openly about. Mm-hmm. Hadn't a clue. Mm-hmm. And she was able to get draw that out of me. Mm. And it was right back to, I wanted my dad to be proud of me, and I want my children to be proud of me, and the legacy that I'm going to leave. And she was able to get me right back to that. It was actually quite an emotional conversation too. Sure. Weird, but brilliant. Mm. And I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it on Facebook, and I'm going to share it on your group mm-hmm. on Facebook mm-hmm. about the set. Whatever I'm going to find out. So when I leave here today, I'm going to ring her. Well, mm-hmm. She's in America, mm-hmm. so well, not I'll drop her a line, and I'm going to find out what she did with me, mm. and I'm going to put it out there as a for people to explore. True, because it was a game changer for me, and that's only weeks ago. Yeah. So you're always learning because well, that's the, absolutely. I mean, the, the the language you use in your your sort of younger life, you know, what sort of sprung into my head is, you're very much you're an uncompetent, unconscious competent. Mm. You know, you don't even realize you're doing it, but mm. you're, you know, you're buying property, you're you're yeah. working harder, you're you know, to uh, you know to to be handed your notice and then just walk straight into the next. I mean, that's you know. And and almost as an unconscious competent, you know, you just shrug it off and go, yeah, well, that's just what you do, isn't it? It's like, well, actually, no, ninety nine point nine percent of the population yeah. would not have done that. Yeah, yeah. Same with the insolvency. Hmm. I know, I know, I know men. I know men that have taught themselves for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know them, but you know, you hear yeah. of it. You hear yeah. of it. Yeah. I, I've had people on this broadcast who have who've procrastinated for three years, four yeah. years, and and holding on to the very last. You know, but yeah. yet you sort of drive almost drive through it. You see the see the writing and. But I would almost go as far as saying you're, you appear to be motivated by the the threat or the challenge. Uh, it's funny. It's a it's a fear of failure. Mm. It's a fear of failure. Don't you feel? Mm. Don't you feel? Don't my dad? They see me feeling, and that's why that's one of the reasons now I'm quite public about what I'm going to achieve. Mm. Because once you hold yourself accountable, and you put it out there, like. You know, the, the, you're going to do anything to make it happen, mm-hmm. and that's why I can tell anybody listening to this here to see to see the whole see the Think Network thing. Mm-hmm. The Think Network thing is going to be absolutely humongous. Mm. Honestly, I mean that there's going to there, we're going to have the website, we're going to have an app, we're going to they're, they're going to have online training, mentoring, coaching, mastermind, and VIP group access to speakers, speaking materials. Uh, uh, 
everything, you name it, it's going to be there. And that's going to develop this year and in 2021. Hmm. And 2021 will be the year that we go internationally and globally with it. It could, it could, it could, it could be, it could be the, it could go quicker. Mm-hmm. It could go quicker, but it will go absolutely massive. I genuinely believe that. Mm. Hand, hand on heart. Or I'm going to die, die trying. You know, so. <laughs> well, you've obviously, you've, you've already proven to be very dogged about yeah. anything you go for. You know, it's. Wondered. You t- you talk about, uh, I mean, there's significant people, and obviously you mentioned your father in law there, Marshall McCall. I mean, mm. what is it with the likes of them? I mean, what, what makes someone like that do that for you? Just special people. Okay. Special people. Um, you talk about percentages and people in percentage groups. You know, not everybody, not everybody gives a shit. Not mm. everybody wants to help other people. Not everybody wants to go out of their way to add value for nothing in return. Not everybody's that kind-hearted. Not everybody's, you know, um, everybody's driven in different ways. Mm. And Marshall McCollum was just a very uh, special human being. Mm. Um, not just because he was my wife's father, um, but he had a, just a massive... Like, if I hadn't have met him, met my wife, and subsequently met Marshall, like, I wouldn't be sitting talking to you now, I don't believe. Mm. I'd have been working, you know, what I'd do, doing whatever, just getting by and doing what, doing the same things at home when I left school and mm. went to the factory. That's what I would be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't have had that greater purpose. I wouldn't have been gifted that greater purpose. And he, he made me believe in me. Well. And... That I I I didn't I never but I didn't believe in me before I'd I'd met him. Mm. That's that's quite something for any mentor or coach. Or I mean that. Like, yeah. I mean that. That's why mentoring and coaching should be taken so seriously. Mm. See if you see if if you personally are a mentor or a coach, and I suppose I am. I am unofficially mm-hmm. a mentor and a coach for a couple of people. And when I say that, it's just about sounding board for advice and stuff. I don't do anything sure. for them other than be there. Mm. But um, but I take it very seriously. Mm. Um, and the reason I say that is because I know the impact that that can have. Sure, That can have a very negative impact or it can have a very positive impact. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's always positive. Mm. If you need to critique, mm-hmm. make sure you're delivering it in the right way. Make sure you're tailoring it for that person. Some people need... Not browbeaten, but they need very direct, uh, abrupt, constructive feedback. Mm. Other people don't. Mm. Other people don't need harsh mentoring. Some people need the arm around them. Mm. You're doing great. Love mm-hmm. the work you're doing. But mm. guess what? This is how we could do it better. Mm. That's how I actually need mentored. In the, in the very subtle way. I, that's actually how I need mentored. Mm. Do you see if you come at me, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, you end up becoming an enemy. Mm. I'd be like, he's turning me off. Mm-hmm. Don't really like his attitude. Mm. Don't like his style. I'm not responding to that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I take, I, I don't take that well. And I have experienced this. Mm. I've experienced this over the last twelve months, mm-hmm. and I haven't taken it well. Mm. So, but that's interesting though, because when you look back, I mean, that sort of challenge, and I come back to your father, and, and yeah, another, yeah. another challenge you said that's that's actually when you've been. It appears you've been the most productive when you you're heavily challenged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. yet you preferred 
sort yeah. of conscious method of being mentored is yeah. subtly. Yeah, maybe it's a combination of both that I need. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> maybe there's horses for courses. Maybe there's timing for everything. Sure. You know, you talk about the best managers and leaders in the world. You look at mm. Alex Ferguson, the Man United manager. I don't know if you're a United fan or mm. not, but I, I um, he, 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 he was one of the best leaders and managers of the modern era, mm. right? And he used to tailor his approach differently to different people. Mm. He would know who to give the kick up the backside to, who give the hair dryer treatment to. Mm-hmm. He would have, he would know who needed that. Yeah. He also knew who didn't need that. Mm. Who needed the arm around them at the training field? A quiet moment in the year. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not a one size fits all. Not not everybody wants to be argy barged. Sure. You know, maybe I had enough argy bargy. Mm. You know that I didn't that that when that when I consciously was looking for mentoring. I didn't want more of it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Subconsciously, I'd had enough argy bargy, you know, sure. growing up. Yeah. In terms of that mentor, maybe maybe when I was actually consciously looking for mentor, I wasn't mm-hmm. looking for more of that. Sure. I was looking for that. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. This is how you do it. You know. So it's 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 interesting. But I, anybody mentoring and coaching is such a powerful thing. Um, you can make you can be you'll be surprised. I'm not sure all mentors and coaches realize the significance of what they actually do. Mm. That's that's the point I'm making because look at what my father-in-law did for me by instilling self-belief in me, mm. instilling in me that I could do it. He believed in me. He seen something in me. You can do it. I know you can do it. Mm. This is how you can do it. Sure. Go and do it. Mm. And then constant, not constant, but regular you know, um, regular acknowledgement of your achievement. Mm. He he was that selfless. He had no problem telling me that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know that's fantastic work. Not not everybody does that. You know, yeah. People aren't selfless enough. People don't like overpraising people because it, it's nearly like you're putting them on a higher pedestal than you are. Mm. It's like it's like somebody acknowledging you have a nice car, but it's not as nice as mine. You know, that's, that's a nice car you have, knowing, yeah. knowing that theirs is nicer. Mm. But if if theirs was nicer than yours, yeah. would you even say it to them? Mm. Probably not. You know what I mean? So I think I think mentoring and coaching is such a such a, a role that should be taken really importantly. If you're if you're going to be a mentor to somebody, you make sure yeah you make sure you take it seriously mm. because you you can, can change people's direction in life with it for the good or the bad. Yeah, not all mentors are good. No, and it's even understand the difference between, you know, very few, well, I believe very few understand the difference between, you know, everything from coaching, counseling, mm-hmm. mentoring, you know, yeah. they're all from completely different positions, but yeah. yet people come from mm-hmm. their approach, Yeah, what's good for them. Yeah. And the number of people giving therapy are also the ones that need the therapy. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so. yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting too. It's nearly therapeutic for them. It know. is, and that's the thing, you know, and um, it's it's to go through. But to go, to go back, I mean, what what is your perception of money now? I mean, because <clears throat> you've obviously had quite a quite a journey and up and down with it. Perception, really. perception of money now. Money's a means to an end for me. Okay, I'm not I, I'm not too romantically or emotionally attached to money. Uh, money's like money's a currency to me. It's meant to go round. I've now I I don't want to be the richest man in the graveyard. Hmm. Um, you know, so so I want to lead a good full life and and have enough wealth that my family don't have to worry about money okay forever mm. forever for forever money um i make no bones about that by the mm. way i'm i i i am on a crusade 
mm-hmm. to change the world one event at a time, mm-hmm. one subscription at, at a time, mm-hmm. and create generational wealth for my family. Sure. And for anybody associated with me. Well. On that journey. And that's what I'm going to do. But not for the love of having a bundle full of cash in my pocket mm. or in the bank. Not for the love of that. I mm. don't give a, I don't care about that. Mm. I don't care. I, I'm not romantically or emotionally attached to money. I don't love money. Mm-hmm. However, I love the the concept of freedom, contentment for my family and mm-hmm. I, and anybody associated with me. Mm. I love that. I love what's I love what's associated with that and what it provides. But money itself, I'm not. I don't care about money. Sure. So you know, so it almost sounds like a contradiction, mm. but it's not. Mm. It's not. I've had money before. I know. Mm-hmm. I know what the difference is. The greed for money, thirst sure. for money. Even you want it, you you don't have any purpose for it, but you want it anyway. Mm. I I I have a purpose now. Sure. I have a why now, and a purpose now. So it's not for the greed of money. It's for the good of money. Do you know what success looks like for you? Right now. Okay. This is what success. You're looking at success right now. Excellent. Right now. Success is the journey that I'm on right now. That's powerful. Very few know that. And I mean that. Mm-hmm. I mean that. I'm, I, I am successful right now. Right now. Um, this journey that we're on. 14 months. Plucking this out of thin air. We have, we have broken a phone with no credit and a broken screen on my sofa one night at home. Plucking it out of absolute thin air. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I know we're, and I know we're going to be there. Mm-hmm. So um, no, this is success right now, um, and I'm just going to have more of it, and scale the success up. But this is success right now. I feel success right now. Mm. I feel successful right now, mm. and I'm just scaling that up. Le- there's levels to success, and we're just going up the levels, up the gears. Sure. So, yeah. how do you get that in somebody else? Then I mean, you know. You're. I'd love to do a word count on. On mm. you say no, mm. I know, I understand, or mm. I feel, or you mm. know that knowingness is mm-hmm. is huge for you. It's it's very apparent in yeah. your language. Yeah. But how do you get that, or how do you inspire somebody else, or how do you? I think just by doing more of what we're doing. Okay. Honestly, I believe Think Network's the vehicle for that. I believe I'm the man for that. Mm. I believe I'm the person to lead that. I'm surrounded by like-minded people and people mm. clever in different areas, hence um, the Think Network steering group that, mm-hmm. you're, that your good self is going to be involved with. That you, you're, 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 you, you have a, a diverse skill set from me and mm-hmm. what you do, you know, more, more probably strategic thinking, you know, that leads into your property and all the stuff that you've been doing. Um, and, and you have different skill set and experiences. So I believe that I am the man to lead what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but I believe that I can go up the levels with it I'm surrounded by like-minded people with different skill sets, sure. i.e., people like your good self and Andrew and all the all the rest of it, and Ryan and uh, um, people like that. But I believe how we instill that in other people is doing what we're doing right now, mm. but do more of it. Are we back to your your art GCSE? I mean, is it a case that you may or may not have talent, but if you work at it, yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Hard work for everything. Hard work beats mm. talent every day of the week. Mm. Every day of the week and twice on a Sunday. Talent, talent's okay. Mm. Talent's okay, but um, uh, I, I'm just not. When I say talent's okay, what is talent? Mm. What is talent? Somebody that can, you know, learn a language quicker than somebody else, so they're talented. 
maybe maybe they're just maybe their brain works in a different way. They were able to learn that language a lot better. I don't know. I, I just I'm not a massive believer in talent. Mm, mm. I'm not I'm genuinely not. I think certain certain things will resonate more. Mm-hmm. You know, I I you know I I look at a building as you will yeah. do. You look at a house, and ironically, I I would argue that it actually make you you know a better uh, investor simply because you know you don't get emotionally attached. It's very much a case of you know here's its performance, here's what it mm. is. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's something that you're passionate about. Yes. You know, you can be good at something, but it doesn't mean it's something, you know, you're destined to do. Are you passionate about property? Am I passionate about Yeah, yes, but it's it's a it's a, it's a tool set. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's like someone sort of said to me, you know, so I have a big property goal. Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, God, you must love property. It's like, God, no. I love mm-hmm. what property can do for me. Yes. It's what I love. Yes, yes, yes. You know, who would want to have... You know, 10, 15, 100, 200, 500, 1,000 sets of keys. Yeah. It's like, it's not that, unless you're totally yeah. sadistic in yeah. my mind. Yeah. But to me, it's a formula. Yeah. Um, but it's what it can afford me to do. Yes, of it course. is generational wealth. It's yes. It gives me the opportunity to sit here and talk to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. you know, that for me is what. Um, that's what it brings to you. It is. That lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. It, it's an opportunity, you know, yeah. and a bit like this. I mean, fire in the belly is not even a year old, yeah. you know, from yeah. literally me pushing a pram up the road and yeah. wondering what, you know, what drives me and what yeah. drives you. We're yeah. totally different. Yeah. It was fire in the belly. I know this is uh, you're, you're, this about me, but I'm interested now. Yeah. It's fire in the belly <clears> then. Not almost. Is it, is it, is it a learning ex- ex- exercise for you too? Uh, massively. Massively. I mean, I... I um, the podcast wasn't supposed to happen well yeah. i'd say it wasn't supposed to happen it, it wasn't on the agenda yeah. um and really it all started off as a, as a book to try and sort of distill you know what sort of what makes me jump out of bed and do something and, and what makes you jump out of bed mm-hmm. and do something you know i believe we all have a, a passion inside us mm-hmm. unfortunately very few people actually hit that mm-hmm. you know but actually when you know when you've had someone's passion project you know mm-hmm. simply because they do it you know i mean you you describe it there and saying well you just know and you just do it you know mm-hmm. and you keep going keep going keep mm-hmm. going 100 you know um with the think network there you're mm-hmm. saying it's not about the money but yeah you keep going mm-hmm. you just know yeah you know yeah, yeah. that's to me that's a true passion yeah whereas so many people do it because their teacher said or their parents thought yeah. or you know that was the dumb thing or uh, their friends were all doing it nobody nobody told me like think network like you look at you look at what we are doing right the empire speaking of it consistently with different themes like there's loads of mindset workshops there's loads of different things but there ain't nobody like i would defy anybody mm-hmm. to say to me oh that's exactly what they do mm. it's not I've looked around. There's nobody. Mm-hmm. Like you look at even the big players' pendulum. Like that's they give a flagship event once every year in Dublin. It's Richard Branson. It's not the same thing. No, you're not empowering the normal man. You know, it's like a thousand pound a ticket to go to it for a start. Mm-hmm. You know, ours are twenty two or twenty five pound. Sure. You know, so so they're accessible mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, and they're empowering. I don't. I. I don't. We. We're not looking to just empower other successful people. Mm. We're. We're empowering. We're. We're looking to empower people to be successful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not the latest thing. Mm. Um, now there'd, there'd be tears to it and all the rest of it, but this, this, you know, there's nobody. I mean, nobody anywhere. And this, this was apparent in the business plan when you're looking at your competitors mm. and you're doing the SWOT analysis and all the rest of it, and strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats and all the all the rest of it. This was a, this was apparent. There ain't anybody doing it. Yeah, it's nothing like it's it's like Ted and it's not like Ted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, show me, show me who's doing it. Yeah, nobody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nobody. Um, I feel we're way ahead of our curve 
particularly in the UK, mm-hmm. particularly in the UK, loads of people are thinking like this in America. But I still don't see nobody consistently, regularly punching the message and talking the talk, but walking the walk. Yeah. Punching events out all the time. Self-belief, inspiration, resilience, high performance, trailblazers in the industry, whatever it might be, whatever the event says, I don't see anybody del- consistently delivering that there hmm. anywhere. Even Ted. Ted, dude, you know. Big TED Talks are once a year. Yeah. Ted, the TEDx ones just pop up in local communities here, there, and everywhere sporadically. Mm-hmm. There's nobody strategically doing it as a business that adds loads of value mm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I feel we're so far ahead of our curves, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just a, it's a good time, really a real good time. I think we've we've had a real hot spot. Everybody that's anybody that is looking to improve is interested in their personal and professional development. And that doesn't mean heading a book. Mm-hmm. That means meeting people. That means being empowered by other people and their stories and learning from one another. One of the reasons you're even doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And that's just... this is Even the fact that we're even doing this podcast mm-hmm. is a spin-off from yep. Like Network. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, um, so... Because it's another tangible, you know, we talk about tangibles and measurables, like, you know, what, what benefit did you get from that and how did you meet him? It all came from the Think Network. Yeah. And so... The centrifugal force and the drop in the pond is yeah. phenomenal. You know, so... The ripple. And that's why we're going to continue doing what we're doing. Well, um, we're going to do four events in Northern Ireland. We're committing to four events in Northern Ireland forever. We will do four events, no matter how big we get. Mm-hmm. We will do four events in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. So, um, because Derry, Derry and Belfast, they're the two areas yeah. um, that we want to capture. And we'll do four events in Northern Ireland. Well, um, the only way that that would ever change um, would be if the events became that massive. Like, maybe it would warrant one, one event in each. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, if The way it is now... And the way I can foresee it to be, it'll be four events. The only way that that would change to two events would be the events would become much, much bigger, like thousands of attendees Yeah, that we'd only do one in each area. Sure. But either way, we will capture each area and we will we will empower, empower Northern Ireland. Why not? That's it. And we are. Well, Gary, it's been absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for coming on and Thank talking to so us. Much. Thank you so you know, much. It's uh, really looking forward to 2020 and, and even the next decade. Yeah. Really, what's uh, what's coming around the corner, you know? So, um, in one word then, fire in the belly. Keep going. Never give up. Give it 100%. Believe in yourself no matter what. Um, if you, I tell you what, if you don't believe in you, nobody else is going to. Yeah. So, you believe in you. Um surround yourself with like-minded people and just go for it you only have one life we're not here for um a long time and we're not here more than once that we know or mm. that anybody can prove give it everything give it 100 percent. well gary it's been a pleasure thank you very much thank you so much thank you take care well that was another great episode of fire in the belly you know this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys and boy oh boy sometimes it is personal it's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you. 